Are you in a fiery furnace of sorts right now? Pastor Ed Taylor says if you're a believer in Christ, there's someone with you. Well, I'm in the fiery furnace. I know. So are a lot of people. It's like a little neighborhood there. (laughs) We've all been our house there. There's a condo place there. There's an apartment building there. We're all there, man. We're renting rooms there. The whole world is a fiery furnace. But we're not going to eternal flames apart from God the rest of our lives for all eternity because Jesus Christ forgave us. So he's there with us. That's the best thing about the flames. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Whether you've recently lost a job, your home was burned up in a fire, or your health is on the decline, we all know what it's like to experience a fiery trial. They come at us in all shapes and sizes at various times. Perhaps everything that's happened this year will go down as one of the biggest trials in your life. Today on Abounding Grace, we want to take you back to Daniel chapter 3. We believe it contains a valuable message for times like these. We'll hear how God preserved three young guys in the midst of a fiery furnace and actually stood with them too. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with the exciting details and how it relates to us. Now, I think there's a supernatural thing going on here. How can you see in the fiery furnace that has been lit up seven times more that your men can't even get close to without dying, how is it possible that Nebuchadnezzar has any frame of reference of what's going down in the pit except that God revealed it to him and showed him something special? God wanted him to see, not those three guys, God wanted him to see this pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. God wanted that to be deposited in his life. Because haven't you found it to be true that in the fires of life, the Lord shows up in a powerful way, like no other way before? Not only that, but they're still alive. They're still alive in the fire. They're not trying to climb the walls to get out. They're not screaming in anguish. They're not upset. They're not pointing a finger at their mighty God. They're they're right there talking to a fourth person. There's something special about the fourth one, and the Bible wants us to understand this. The Bible wants us to understand the supernatural around what Nebuchadnezzar thinks is the final word. You see, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't get the final word. God always gets the final word. He always gets the final word. And Nebuchadnezzar's pagan background called him, you know, caused him, he only, his only frame of reference is that he's one of the son of God. You know, he looks like a son of God. He, that's his frame of reference. And might I just say, be patient with people you're sharing the gospel with that doesn't know, they don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about church. And they're just using the language they know. You know, you don't have to correct them and give them a theological study on everything they don't know. Just meet them where they're at and explain to them what they don't know. You know, give them the answer. Oh, you know, that, I, you, you might be there with Nebuchadnezzar, and you're there, and you're, oh, that's like the Son of God. No, 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 don't say that. Capital G, Nebuchadnezzar, capital G. 
That's the son of God. You know, you know, just meet them where he's at because God has a plan for Nebuchadnezzar and God has a plan for your coworker and your mom, but it doesn't include you being hypercritical and judgmental of them all the time, that they don't have the right language, that they don't know the right words, they don't have the Christianese. They don't need the Christianese. God's going to meet them right where they're at and use where they came from. That's why one of the beautiful things about sharing the gospel is to get to know the other person, get to know where they came from. That way you could take the word and just deliver it right to where they're at. Meet them where they're at. I've often used that illustration of building a bridge. You know, you're building a bridge from one place over the chasm of distance between you and that other person. Or, you know, you get the picture of a large body of water and a bridge goes over it to bridge the the different banks on either side. And as you're building a bridge, the idea of building a bridge is to meet someone where they are and gently take them back with you. It's not to argue with them not to somehow try to convince them with your great arguments. And it's to express love to them so that through the channel of love, truth can be delivered. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's just sharing with his, his frame of reference. But it's obviously supernatural. And this is a pre-incarnate appearance, I believe, of Jesus Christ. An appearance of the eternal Son of God before he took a permanent residence one and only time did he take up personal per- residence in a human body in the womb of Jesus. But he appeared in Genesis 18 to Abraham. He appeared to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5. He appeared to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And here he is in the fiery furnace, which is very special to those of us that have gone through or even live in a fiery furnace. Imagine that. God has asked you to build a house in the fiery furnace to live there for a while. You're not trying to climb out. You're already done trying to climb out and you're just like, this is my life. This is where God has me right now. And even though the flames are around me and even though it's difficult, the Bible says, don't think it's strange. It's not a strange thing what you're going through. It only becomes strange when you begin to think that God owes you more than he's given to you in Jesus Christ. It only becomes strange when you compare yourself with someone else. Well, you know, they've got that and I don't have that. Well, that's God's will for your life. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they, they seem to have it easy, and I seem to have it hard. That's God's will for your life. Maybe you're in a place right now where you've made mistakes for the last 10 years, 20 years. And you go, well, you know, if I didn't. But that's God's will for your life. As long as you keep living in the past, you're going to miss today. What is God doing today? Well, you know, I don't have that. And you're probably not going to have that with that kind of attitude. But you have God and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, and you had to build your house in the fires. But isn't it in the fires? Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego didn't meet the pre-incarnate. Uh, they, they've been living in, in Babylon now for 20 years. They took a stand earlier with Daniel at the table. They didn't meet Jesus. They didn't meet this pre-incarnate appearance of God until they were in the fires. And while you're ignoring the presence of God in your life and complaining about your station in life and complaining about what you don't have and complaining about whatever, you're going to miss what God's doing and your life's going to pass you by. And then your life's just going to be known as one big complaint instead of what God's doing in your life right now. What's he want to do in your life right now? This is his will. I'm in the fiery furnace. I know. So are a lot of people. It's like a little neighborhood there. <laughs> We've all built our house there. There's a condo place there. There's an apartment building there. We're all there, man. We're renting rooms there. The whole world is a fiery furnace. But we're not going to eternal flames apart from God the rest of our lives for all eternity because Jesus Christ forgave us. So he's there with us. That's the best thing about the flames. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. Now, check this out. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing. 
I don't, don't miss this. Remember, it says in, in verse 23, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied fell into the flames, the roaring flames. They, they went in tied and they went in bound. And in being tied up and bound and in the midst of fiery furnace, the flames, they met the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ that was talking to them. And notice in verse 25, it says, Nebuchadnezzar shouts, I see four men unbound. They went in bound, but in the flames, they were unbound. They were loosed. That gives us insights about trials in our lives. Because they went in bound, but they end up loose. How did that happen? Well, God could have miraculously, this could be another miraculous appearance of God to just unloose them without them being burned up. I mean, this whole thing is the miraculous hand of God. Just like you have testimonies, the miraculous hand of God. People don't believe you. They don't believe what you're sharing because it's just totally the Lord. You just, and you kind of feel, I don't know if I want to share anymore because nobody believes me. Well, only people with spiritual eyes will believe you. Nebuchadnezzar's tripping out, but he sees what he sees. So don't worry about how people respond to you. You keep sharing your testimony. Keep sharing what God has done in your life. Don't worry about how people respond. Nebuchadnezzar is being set up, and so are the people around you. Now, they go in bound, but they come out loose, or they're there loose. Perhaps, and this is a thought for you to chew on this week, perhaps the fire that was intended by man to destroy them was used by God to destroy the bonds that were holding them captive, which gives us an illustration, and that's this. I wonder what we're so used to and bound up in that a trial reveals to us you need to be loosed from that. That the trial itself is the tool of God to loosen the bonds that you have of comfort and ease and bad attitudes and whatever else it is. That the fires of the trials that were meant to destroy you. Remember Joseph, his testimony, Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. You meant evil against me. What you did to me throwing me in the pit and they put me on this path that was just destructive. What you meant for evil, God turned around for good. And he can do that with the fiery trials in your life. But as the Bible says, we need to learn not to complain and murmur all the time. Doesn't help. Well, notice verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach. Now, how do you think he shouted? Because that's, you know, we don't get that. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, I'm big Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe, hey, Shadrach. You know, who knows what he said, how he said it. But he says, servant of the most, come out. There's an exclamation point, so he's probably yelling, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And the high officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire, mark this, had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now, some of you are going to totally get this. Many of you don't have anything, any idea when I'm really. But remember when they allowed smoking in restaurants like the Village Inn? And you would go to breakfast with your family at the village inn. Even if you went into that little cage, I don't remember which one they let smoking, but there was that cage where they didn't let smoking, but like the cage didn't hold the smoke out. Like there were times when you couldn't go into village inn and not come out smelling like smoke. You guys with me? 
So here are these guys, seven, five, seven times hotter fire. Nothing about them got singed, and they don't even smell like smoke. Now, I remember the smell of smoke after a fire is nasty. Because not too many years ago, that was our house. Our house. Our kitchen caught on fire while we were away, and our whole house was filled with smoke. We were just minutes away from that house going up like toothpicks. And it didn't, fortunately. But the entire inside of our house was a complete total loss. Everything, clothes, possessions, furniture, everything was a complete loss. And they came in, the, the people that do, you know, fix things and clean things after a disaster, the recovery people, they came in, did a phenomenal job, tore everything down. They sprayed this stuff on that's supposed to take away the smell and put new dry. They rebuilt the inside of our house. And I'm telling you, you would never even know that there was a fire in our house until you walked down the basement stairs, which they didn't touch because pretty much everything stayed out of the basement except if you walk down in the wrong kind of angle down the basement stairs, which isn't finished, and the handle there is still there, the drywall is still there. If you walk down and you just, in the breathing at the right time, you go, oh, man, I remember my whole house and garage and everything I own smell like that. But when God is there in your life, You'll be thrown into the fires and they will not touch you. They will not mess with you. And you won't even smell like the trial that you've been in. I mean, that's the power of God. That's where these guys are. The only thing that was burned up in the trial were the things that bound them. And Nebuchadnezzar is learning right now this invitation to come out. He says, now notice in, in verse 27, all the high officials were all there. They noticed all that. Verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. That's the way to treat them, Nebuchadnezzar. And their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other... God who can rescue like this. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Here's what we call what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We call that divine protection. I like that, divine protection. We know that God will protect us until his purposes for us in life are fulfilled. There's a divine protection around us. It doesn't give us permission to test the Lord your God and test him. Well, you know, if I'm protected by God until my time is over, then I think I'll run across E-470 and see how far I can get. Well, you're going to find out right then, your protection ended right then and there. So don't do that. That's not, we don't tempt the Lord our God. We live wisely. We don't take what he says. Like, for example, when you learn the true understanding of the grace of God, that's not permission to go sin. Well, you know, man, if I'm going to see more grace when I sin, then I should probably sin more. No, nowhere, anywhere in the Bible does God give you permission to sin. And yet God has lavished his grace upon us. That he has loved us with an eternal love. So we don't tempt the Lord our God. But there is that divine protection in our lives. God's whole program for you has been laid out from eternity past. It's so good. And all the days of your life have been numbered by God, according to Psalm 139. All the heartaches, all the burdens, all the tears are kept safely and securely in a bottle by God. He cares so much about you. He knows the heat in your life, 
And he knows at just what temperature it needs to be. He's, his, God's hand is at the thermostat of your life. And he's in control. That's why it's foolish to live a life in rebellion to God. Doing your own thing. Not enjoying. Because what that does for a believer that decides to go goof off and play around is they don't get to enjoy all that God has for you. Even in the trials. A backslidden believer that gets into trials is double miserable. Triple miserable. They start taking things in their own hands and then they're quadruple and whatever the next numbers are. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. You don't enjoy. You don't have the joy of your salvation. You don't have the joy of living a life free from sin and death and destruction. God knows it all in your life and he's reminding us to trust him. And so Nebuchadnezzar has a change of heart here. And we'll see God's will for Nebuchadnezzar because as you guys read ahead in chapter 4, you know he's getting another dream. That's how God deals with Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody can get close to him, but God can get in his head. <laughs> You're praying for somebody right now? You can't, I can't get close to them. I don't, they don't want anything to do with me. Yeah, but God can get in their head. You can't get in their head, but God can get in their head. It's so cool. Now, before you leave, I just want you to consider something. I just want you to think through something. This is a pretty dramatic event in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Pretty dramatic. I mean, super hyper, high on the level of dramatic. But we have to ask the question, where's Daniel? Where's Daniel here? He's conspicuously missing it's pretty exciting and intriguing to consider. You know, you can view this a few different ways as you study through the book of Daniel. Number one, we can view this true story historically, looking back at its significance for the nation of Israel. Secondly, we can view this story spiritually, this true story, as we, gain, as we ourselves gain great confidence and comfort in the faithfulness of a powerful God, especially in the midst of our trials, especially when trials last way longer than we ever wanted them to. Thirdly, we can view it personally as we draw from this true story many personal applications, how to trust God, how to hold fast to God, how to cling to him through anything. But finally, remember Daniel is a book of prophecy. And we must remember the prophetic edge, seeing it as a picture of a coming event. Nebuchadnezzar foreshadows, I believe, another world leader still yet to come on the scene. We've been introduced to him um, by this name, Mr. Antichrist, capital A. We don't know his human name, but he's known in the Bible, according to Revelation 13, uh, as the Antichrist. And he has a sidekick, the false prophet and the beast. And they erect a huge statue to be worshipped. And to worship the image involves a worldwide, global, one-world economic and religious system that's known as Mystery Babylon. It's all tied together. It's bigger than what people think it is today. It's far greater, although we see pictures of it even today. I just got a text from a friend, a pastor friend of mine, that they have instituted widely in Saudi Arabia the use of an um, implanted microchip. And I know that every generation's seen that, but the technology today is unbelievable. Unbelievable what they're doing today. And they're not testing it on animals anymore. I remember teaching through this many, many years ago, and they were just popping chips into dogs so you could find your dog in the neighborhood. Well, guess what? They have moved on from dogs. Dogs still get their lame technology, but now they've got stuff that's GPS trackable. GPS trackable. 
you remember back in the day with our vehicles, they used to have that, that technology called LoJack. You guys remember that? It was the technology of the day, maybe 20 years ago, where they put a device hidden in your car somewhere, and then particular police cars were then also equipped with the system that they needed, that if they drove within some kind of radius, they would start beeping, they could find it. They know where you're at 24-7. Do you know Google, Apple, Facebook, they all know where you're at. Now, Facebook, you told them where you were at because you checked in, but... They all know where you're at because those of you that have a phone in your pocket or a phone, oh, I left it in. They don't know where I'm at. I left it in the car. Okay. All right. Okay. And so when you think of this, you go, man, where's Daniel at? Well, I mean, if Nebuchadnezzar kind of pictures this guy, this, this guy is the final world ruler in the image. And here you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reserved and preserved in the midst of a fiery furnace which could picture the Great Tribulation period. As we know, 144,000 Hebrew young men will be preserved during the Great Tribulation period as evangelists of the gospel. Then what could Daniel possibly represent? But I believe in this text, Daniel could be a type and a picture of the church that's not mentioned at all during the Great Tribulation period, but rather raptured out before, while even those Hebrew evangelists are preserved during it. Now, we know that Daniel's an administrator of the kingdom. Perhaps he's off on official business. The Bible doesn't say where he's at. But Daniel represents another group of people during the Great Tribulation period. I believe the church. The church isn't there and isn't around, but will return. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. Amazing stuff. So chew on it and think about it this week. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Daniel right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. Also, look for our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Pastor Ed, we've picked out a resource that ties in beautifully with today's passage in Daniel 3, and that is Standing in the Fire. Would you talk about this book and how it might help our listeners get through the inevitable fiery trials of life? You know, Larry, uh, Tom Doyle has a great ministry among the Arab peoples in the Middle East. Uh, And this book, along with many others, uh, give perspective. And I think perspective is one of the most important tools to see things the right way, right? We can either get caught up in the things that we're going through, which are very hard and difficult, or we can broaden our perspective beyond ourselves and remember that, like Peter said, when we suffer, we're suffering together, and the body of Christ is so much bigger. So the the book I chose this month is Standing in the Fire. It's a few years old, uh, especially when ISIS had a stronger Uh, poll in the Middle East, but the testimonies are timeless. And we need to relearn what it means to stand courageously for our faith. And one of the ways to do that is to learn. It's kind of like another resource uh, that is is really good to have is called Fox's Book of Martyrs. That too is very dated, but their testimonies are powerful. So please get this book, Standing in the Fire, whether you 
uh, support Abounding Grace or not, you need to add this to your library. He actually has three books that very were very big encouragements to me. This one, Standing in the Fire, Dreams and Visions, and another title called Killing Christians. So if you look up Tom Doyle on Amazon, I know that you'll be encouraged by the testimonies that he shares and the encouragement that we get by standing in the fire. Perspective is everything. And the more that we're remembering uh, our brothers and sisters that are suffering around the world, the stronger we'll become in our faith of the Lord. Request a copy of Standing in the Fire when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. And as we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we'd appreciate your support. People need the truth of God's Word in difficult times like these. And with your help, we're able to provide it to them. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or again, call 877-30-GRACE. The rest of this week, we're going to camp out in Daniel chapter 4. And notice how God reaches the so-called unreachable. Be encouraged as you join us Tuesday through Friday on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.